Well, I hope you brought a Bible with you. I'm going to try to preach after that. If you did, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, the first chapter. One of the bad things I've discovered about traveling is you sit in airports, you sit in lobbies, you sit in places, and you spend way too much time looking at your phone. And I did that this past week, going to and from the Southern Baptist Convention, and and, uh, I get tickled sometimes by the things I see that pop up over and over and over. And one of the memes that kept popping up over and over and over, he said, what one thing did your father teach you when you were growing up? One thing, my dad was a lifetime of lessons in a short period of time. There wasn't one thing I could focus on. And it kind of played into my thought process as I was trying to figure out, work on what was going to happen here this morning and what I wanted to share with you. And, and I found myself in the book of Proverbs. And, you know, I made it a habit a long time ago. I started reading out of the book of Proverbs every day. And if you've never done that, there are 31 Proverbs. And so it kind of works out, you know. You just kind of keep rolling month by month. You're going back and read. And you say, you read it over and over. Yeah, you do. And you learn something every time you go through it. And as I was reading through the book of Proverbs a number of years ago, I came to a realization my father had taught me so much of what was in the book of Proverbs, I didn't even realize he was doing it because he didn't point out to me chapter and verse. He just taught me so many of the same lessons, common sense for living, how to know what's right and what's wrong and how to walk the right path and choose to do what's right and to honor God in that way, about family loyalty and marital fidelity He didn't just teach it, he modeled it. And and that was perhaps to me the most important thing. This morning, I want us to read together a small portion from Proverbs chapter 1. Just a few verses. It contains some incredible wisdom. You say, man, we're going to read this and you're going to start reading it. You're going to say, I'm not sure exactly how this dude's going to preach this. Don't panic. This is going to be one of the uh, probably most unusual types of messages that I ever preach, okay? So just read with me and find what we need to find. Proverbs chapter 1, find verse 8. Once you've done that, if you can, Will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Follow along with me. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We'll get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie and wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. And such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. Would you pray with me? 
Father, I ask you this morning to bless the reading of your word. And I I pray that as we spend these moments together, you would speak to our hearts, that you would teach us your truth, that you would give us direction. And Father, I pray especially for the men in this room, that you'd give us open hearts, ears to hear, an understanding of who we need to be as we walk with you and guide our families each day. Father, bless this time. Holy Spirit, uncover our eyes and teach us the truth. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I love this passage of Scripture. Now, first off, let me just simply say, it's filled with words of life and and words of wisdom. And I I know that... uh, What I'm about to preach is not at all what you're probably expecting having read these verses. And I just want to go ahead and give you the preview since, you know, so you'd understand. I did my job. I did my work. I I really was diligent with this. If, If I was just going to take this text and preach it, here's what my outline would look like. These verses contain a warning that bad company will lead you on the wrong paths. A warning that there is no honor among thieves. And a warning that a life of sin will ultimately destroy you. Now that's if I was just going to preach this text. But I'm not. Okay? I want you to focus on just a few words with me that are found there in verse 8. If you've got your Bible, just look again. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Some of y'all are looking at me. You didn't get it yet. Okay, one more time. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. These words speak to two different parties. They speak to the son. They speak to the children. Exhorting them, encouraging, listen, listen. Can I just tell you something from an observer's standpoint? Children, by and large, do a pretty good job of listening. But there's a second party spoken to. Did you see what it said? Listen, my son, to the instruction of your father. Kids do a pretty good job of listening, but... Somewhere along the way, it seems fathers have grown pretty quiet. And dads need to be primary teaching figures in the lives of their children. That's what this is about. I mean, I tell you, the words that follow the instructions given is powerful stuff. And I I would encourage you to read it, study it, pay attention to it. But my dad spoke clearly into my life, sometimes very firmly into my life, and occasionally he used words. Most often he spoke into my life by his actions. And what I'm telling you is I watched my dad. I observed him, and I found out that what he said he was, he really was. And this morning, I want to just take a little bit of time and I want to share with you some lessons 
that I learned from my father. I guess I'm getting to that age where I feel like I can do this. I can do this. And, and, and you know what? It's important stuff. And, and I know that some of you are already sitting there with your finger on the mute button getting ready to click me off. Please don't. Some of this may apply to you, some of it may not, but even if it doesn't apply to you, I, I do want to tell you this, you certainly can take it in and share it with someone who's in your circle of influence. You can share it with a friend, you can share it with a sibling, you can share it with a family member, you can share it with a coworker. There may be something in here that will just speak to your heart in a way that you don't even believe it's going to because, well, you know, you're not a dad, so this doesn't apply to you. But can I tell you something? We live in a culture that also has a lot of absent dads. And so... Single mom, if you're in the room, I want you to know there's a lot here for you as well. But let me address the dads if I can for a little bit. And let's just, let's just start off with what I'd like to call practical life lessons, because I think this is a great place to start. It's where my dad started. My dad was all about teaching me how to just live life. And I, I'm just going to tell you, I could spend all day long, and I'm not talking about my 20-minute allotment of time for the sermon. I'm talking about all day long talking about the practical life lessons that my dad taught me. And so I had to do a whole lot of refining and editing to get this down to where I wanted it to be. But I just want to share a few practical life lessons with you that I got from my father and hope that you guys will be passing them along to your children. I hope that I succeeded in passing them along to my children. They're easy, but they're difficult. Starting with, stand with your wife. Stand with your wife. I, listen, it's the truth, and I've said it before from this pulpit, and I will say it again because I believe it is the truth. The greatest gift that any dad can give to his children is to stay in love with his mama, their mama. Dads, love your wives. Be faithful. Be true. Be loving. Be supportive. Be encouraging. But above everything else, Here's the kicker. These are the two words that everybody would leave off, but I'm going to put them in there. Be there. Be there. Be present. Be present in the moment so that you can share in the parenting. You can share in the responsibilities. You can share in the discipline. You can present alongside your spouse a united front for your kids to see so they know if you mess with one, you're going to mess with both. Kids need to know that. They need to see that. And, and listen, it may not sound important, but your children are learning how to be mamas and daddies by watching you. If you do it well and you do it right, you're giving them a leg up. If you do it poorly, you do it wrong. You are setting a course for them to struggle and perhaps experience disaster in their lives. And gentlemen, if you're saying, well, I'm not sure I know how to do this, let me just give you a basic foundation to start from. It's found in Ephesians 5:25, where it reminds you to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you'll love her like Jesus loves her, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get this right. Stand with your wife. A second life lesson, think of others before yourself. Think of others before yourself. Your decisions are not just going to impact you. They're going to impact your wife. They're going to impact your children. They're going to impact your friends, your extended family. If you're an employer, it's going to affect your employees. If you're an employee, it's going to affect your employer. It's going to touch whatever you touch. If you identify with the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is going to be impacted by the choices and decisions that you make. If you're identified with a particular church, that congregation is going to be impacted by the decisions and the choices and the directions that you take. So think of others. Say, but, but, 
but I want, this is going to make me happy. Let me back you up again into Ephesians chapter 5. Remember verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we submit to one another, then that means that we're going to think of others before we think of our own wants. We're going to take care of other people. Now, here's one of those things my dad always brought to the forefront in my life, and he reminded me so many different times, if you're going to do it, do your best. My dad was never satisfied with a job half done or done with a lackadaisical effort. If you're going to do it, if you're going to invest your time, if you're going to invest your talent, if you're going to invest your energy, you ought to be looking for the best return out of what you put in. So do your very best. A lot of people would look at me and say, well, what's the big deal about that for Father's Day? We've got too many kids who are growing up learning it's okay to just get by. No. Don't work to get by. Work to succeed. Work to excel. Work to be excellent. Work to give your best. Well, that just sounds like the world talking. No, it doesn't. It talk, sounds like God talking. My friend, and he, listen. What it says in Colossians 2.23 must never be forgotten. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As if you're working for the Lord. Stand with your wife. Think of others before yourself. And if you're going to do it, do your best. And I know you're probably saying, well, that's enough of life lessons. Let's move on. No, it's not. Dad wasn't through. And so I'm going to throw a couple more at you before I move on, all right? Because I think that some of the best is still out there ahead of us. And Brother George, I couldn't pass this one by because this one's for you, okay? You're never too old. I love turning around and seeing Brother George, 90 years old, up here leading worship. My daddy's 91 years old, and he told me the last time I was with him, you know, maybe I gave up visiting for the church too early. He quit last year. 90 years old, he was still the one doing primary hospital visitation and shut-in visitation for my home church. He was going to see the old people. Most of them were 15 to 20 years younger than him. But that's how he said it to me. I, I got to go visit the old people today. You're never too old. And I know sometimes we sit in the church and, and, and listen, I love our senior adults, but sometimes we get into this thing, well, you know, I, I'm too old to do this. I've done this all these years. It's time for somebody else. I, I can't do this anymore. Listen, can I just tell you something? Scripture is clear. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came in. He had just finished up a massive building project. That was Noah. And then Moses. Moses didn't pass away until he was 120, and he led the Israelites through the wilderness right up until the time of his death. They crossed over the River Jordan. You remember Joshua took charge. And after years of conquest, his old buddy, the spy, Caleb, comes to him. They were allotting the land, and Caleb comes to him, and he says, Hey, I want the region over by Hebron. I want the mountains where the Anakites lived. Those were the giants that had scared them out all those years before. He said, Give me that piece of land. I want to go in there and conquer those people. Eighty-five years old, he was looking for a fight. Don't mess with an old man that's got an attitude. 
Friends, listen to me. You're never too old to serve the Lord's purpose. So don't quit. Don't give up. And for all the men that were standing here behind me this morning, and all the rest of you, let your song out. Let your song out. You see, whenever you become a child of God, He puts a song in your heart. And and I know sometimes your song comes out when you're singing, sometimes when you're humming, sometimes when you're playing an instrument, sometimes when you're whistling. It may come out in any multitude. Some of you do your very best work when you just turn on the radio and let your song out. But here's the reality. Whether it sounds good to human ears or not, if you are letting the song that God put in your heart come out in praise to Him, it is beautiful to Him, and He wants to hear you. Let your song out. Now, that's practical matters. Let me get to two other things before I quit. Can I? Fathers, I want you to understand the truth that has gotten lost in our culture. We've misplaced it, and I'm pleading with you, if you have begun to let it slide away in your heart, in your mind, in your life, get it back. Get it back. You young guys that haven't got kids yet, get this one firmly planted in your head before you ever get to that place of having responsibility of children because you need to understand this simple truth. Church matters. Church matters. Jesus founded the church. So it's important. It's it's the bride of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's the representation of the kingdom of God on earth. It is the redeemed of the Lord gathered together in worship and praise. It is the fellowship of the saints. The church was created by Christ for the making of disciples. Our homes ought to be the primary places where that process begins. By the way, guys, I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. Jesus did not endorse the NFL, the NBA, MLB, PGA, LPGA, or NCAA. Or any other set of alphabetical letters that you would like to utilize to describe your passions and hobbies and those that you long for your children to embrace. Your church can do something for you and for yours that none of those other organizations can do. It can explain to you and all of your family how to find forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. And if your church isn't doing that, by the way, find another church. All right? That's important stuff. Church matters. Church helps us learn how to live in community. It teaches us how to do life together. And and, and sometimes, you know what? Sometimes we look at our church and think, man, we got problems. We got to get this together. You know what? That's when strong families step to the forefront and bring healing to the congregation. And there are times when as a pastor, as leadership in the church, we look around and we see families in our congregation that are struggling. We think to ourselves, man, you know, we need to pray for our families because if our families get stronger, our church will get stronger and our congregation can step up and bring healing to families. It's called community. It's called doing life together. Sometimes you struggle, sometimes I struggle, sometimes somebody else struggles, but we can all work together to help one another get through those struggling times. And I want you to hear this. There are practical benefits 
found in church involvement. Now, I say something like this on a regular basis, so some of you are probably just going to shut me out, but I hope you don't. I, I want you to know, I find it so humorous whenever we start getting studies out of places like Harvard that tell us the good news about great things that happen in the lives of young people who grow up in church. Or about people who have illnesses and are people of faith, how they seem to respond better to medical treatment and they heal more quickly and more fully. I I keep reading all these things and I'm thinking, it's kind of like you want to walk up to these people who are incredible geniuses doing all this research and and, and accomplishing all these great things. You want to walk up to them and say, duh, (laughs) are you not smart enough to know that the God who made us The God who watches over us is the God who makes all things come together. Let me me just read to you a portion of a study I was reading the other day. Students, that's you guys, students who are involved in church, there's hope for some of y'all, students who are involved in church have higher math and reading scores than average. So if you're struggling, just stay in church, okay? It's going to come. You're going to get it. Now, mom and dad, here's good news for you in regard to your students. Students who are involved in church tend to skip school five times less than the average student. Now, you don't get to skip school, all right? Now, just for the general congregation, those who are involved in church, actively involved in a congregation, tend to live seven years longer than those who are not involved in church. This is your lifeline, folks. Now, for those, this, this is where most of us really fall into this. In 91 mental health studies, 81% of them agreed that religious involvement contributes to mental well-being. Attending church decreases stress, increases self-esteem, gives a greater purpose to living, it decreases depression, and the likelihood of suicide. Now, can I just tell you something? Apart from the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, that there is forgiveness, there is salvation, there is eternal life, and there is hope, that's a pretty good list of reasons to consider church, don't you think? As a dad, I'm just telling you, if there are benefits like that for my child, for my grandchild, I want that for them. And if in the process of getting those benefits, they also meet Jesus and have their heart, their life, their eternity changed, wow! That's what it's all about. That's the reason I want to tell you guys, church matters. Now, is it a magic genie in a bottle that's going to make everything go right? No. We all still make choices and we make decisions. And sometimes we choose wisely and sometimes we choose poorly. And sometimes our kids do it, our grandkids do it. And so everything's not going to be perfect. But I'm just telling you, when there's a foundation to to, to work from, we have a greater likelihood of success in life. Church matters. And if you're wondering, why would you make such a big deal about that? Then you need to refer to Pastor's article in the worship folder this morning and see what the figures are. Didn't any of y'all read that? Haven't read that? Shame on you. Pastor says some very important things every now and again. Don't know who this guy is, but y'all listen to him. When it comes to making commitments to Christ and being faithful to the church, if a child leads the way, 3.5% of families follow. If mom leads the way, 17% of families follow. If dad leads the way, 93% of families follow. 
The greatest likelihood for a family to be actively involved in church, for children to come to know Christ, for the family to follow the leadership of Christ, is for dad to lead the way. Now, let me just say this as gently as I can. Guys, put on the pants and take the lead. Man up. That's what it's about. And now I'm going to talk to you about the most manly thing you can possibly do. In closing, guys, key word, pray, pray, pray. I've had men say to me, I don't know how to pray. Hey, if you don't know how to pray, come find me. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. God's word teaches us how to pray. There are a lot of guys in this church who are prayer warriors, and I'm just telling you, I can put you with one of them, and you spend a little time with them, and you'll, you'll learn to pray. It's not that difficult. It's just a process of learning how and getting comfortable with, but pray. And the reason is simple, because when you pray, I promise you, people are going to see, people are going to hear, and those people that usually see and hear are your family. It's going to be your wife. It's going to be your children. I've told you all before, I was a difficult child. And there were a lot of things that went on in our house that my parents didn't know about. Some of them weren't really that good. But there were some that were good too. I cannot count, and I've told you this before, I cannot count for you the number of mornings. Because I'm, I'm a light sleeper and I'm a morning guy and I, I can't tell you the number of mornings that I sat at the top of the stairs and listen to my father pray down in the dining room at our kitchen table. And I learned a lot about dad. I learned a lot about God by listening to my father pray. Let me tell you real quick some things I learned first off. And I believe this is true for all of us. Our prayer lives before our families reveal the sincerity of our relationship with the Lord. When I listened to my dad praying, it was like listening to a one-sided conversation that he was having with a close friend. It wasn't like he was talking to a stranger or somebody he didn't know or someone he'd just met on the street. No, he was talking to somebody that he knew, someone that he, he understood, someone that he believed in. And, and, and it told me a lot about his relationship because I could, I, listen, I can remember listening to my father weeping over his wayward children or over friends that he worked with or, or that he knew in his, in his hobbies that were lost and needed Christ. But I also remember hearing my father laughing as he prayed and thanking God for answers to prayers that he had been lifting up for weeks before that. It was like listening to a conversation that he was having with his, his friend. The sincerity of our relationship with the Lord is revealed through our prayer life. But I also believe that our prayer lives before our families reveal our belief in God's faithfulness to answer. To answer our prayers. Do our children hear us praying as men of faith? 
calling out to God, believing that God is going to answer, knowing we can't fix ourselves, we can't fix our problems, but, but we trust God. He's going to hear our cries because it says in his word that he does. He hears it when his children cry out to him, and he responds in accordance with his character and his faithfulness. I wanted my children to know. I want my grandchildren to know that when we pray, we are speaking to the one true God. And he cares for us. He loves us. And he is able and willing and will take action on our behalf. Let me tell you one more thing. Our prayer lives before our families reveal what we truly believe about God. Our prayer lives, guys, tell our children and our wives about our faith. It reveals to them that the God we pray to is the God we confess. He's the one we trust. He's the one that we know can and will provide and protect. He's the one that when we call out to him in distress, he hears and he comes to our aid. He is the one that we praise when we experience blessings in our lives. But now I want you to listen to me very carefully what I'm about to say to you. Your prayers, your prayers should teach your children basic theology. Oh, preacher, you just crossed the line. I'm not a theologian. I can't even spell the word. Your prayers ought to teach your children basic theology. Say, well, how can that be? Let me tell you the most basic truth of theology. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the foundation of all theology. Everything else comes out of that, right? I mean, that's based, that's born out of Scripture. We've, we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see Isaiah in the temple in Isaiah chapter 6, and, and he's listening to those angelic beings as they were praising God. They were singing, holy, holy, holy. Why, why three times? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. We sing about it. We sing it in our hymns. He is the God who is holy, holy, holy. When we pray, listen, I, I remember these prayers. Oh, Father, help me. I, I don't know what to do to fix my child. I don't know what to do to heal my family. I don't know what to do to keep us where we're supposed to be. I don't know what to do, Father. Help me. I remember watching my children grow up, and I remember praying, Holy Spirit, draw them. I want them to be yours. I want them to belong to my Father. But I can't make that happen. So, Holy Spirit of God, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, draw my children to you. And I remember praying for my children, God, save them. Jesus, do a work in their hearts that only you can do. Transform their lives. 
In the midst of my prayers, I prayed to the Father, I prayed to the Son, I prayed to the Spirit, all on behalf of my family and my children. If my kids didn't learn anything else from listening to me pray, and I don't know if they did or not, I hope they learn that their daddy every day carried them before the throne of grace and placed them at the feet of God and trusted him to do better for them than I ever could. Guys, won't you listen to me? You are the most influential person in your home. You are the most influential force in your family. The question is, is it going to be for better or for worse? You get to decide. Some of you already have. You've made that decision. You're walking in it. You're standing on it. Praise God for that. Some of you are going to decide today. And I want you to know the world is waiting. Your children are waiting. Your grandchildren are waiting. What are our lives going to teach them about the God or the gods that we choose to serve? I made my decision years ago. You can make yours today. So let me just make this as easy for you as I possibly can. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you'll serve. But as for me, my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, guys, I want you to listen to me for just a moment. I want you to back up and I want you to look at those last two lines. You want to know what's going to drive your family? As for me. And my house. Not mama's house. No. Mama gets the building. She gets to nest. But the people, that's my responsibility. That's my house. It's not the government's house. It's not the church's house. It's not mama's house. It's my house. This is the man of the house saying, as for me and my house, my family, my children, my grandchildren, to the best of my ability and to the greatest of my influence, we will serve the Lord. You make your decision. Mine is made. Let's bow our heads together. I know this is not like what you're used to hearing, not what I'm used to preaching either, but I felt like it was what needed to be shared this morning because we're in a culture that's floundering. We are in a society that is sinking. And my friends, the church is stronger than that. Christ is more powerful than the culture or the society. And if we will live our lives and walk in his ways and do things according to his plan and his strategies, there is great hope. 
question is, will we? And that all resides in your own personal decision of whether you're going to follow Jesus Christ or walk in the ways of the world. So choose today. Choose. Moms, dads, men, women, choose. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, I I want to serve him, but I don't know. Where do I begin? You begin with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have that, you need to go to the beginning and start there. How do I get that? Come, take me by the hand, tell me I want that relationship, Pastor. I won't embarrass you, I won't put you on the spot. I won't even do anything to you, but I'll visit with you. I'll show you from the Word of God how you can become a child of God today, how you can make that decision to follow Him, to surrender your life to Him. We'll walk from that point forward. It's called doing life together. It's community. Maybe you started long ago, but you've fallen off to the side of the road somewhere. Step up. Get back on the road. Come on. Join us. Join us. Let's make this journey together. Maybe there's a mom and dad in this room right now. You guys were screaming at each other coming to church this morning. Maybe there needs to be a a touch. Maybe there needs to be a, I'm sorry, forgive me. Maybe there needs to be a prayer whispered in someone's ear. You can do that. That's what this time's for. What do you need to do? Do it. Do it and let God have the glory. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, how challenging it is to hear these words. Listen, my son, to the instruction of your father. You've given us your instruction in a book, Father. And all we have to do is read it, listen to it, learn it, live it. And yet we struggle. And I know in this room, there's someone here who doesn't know you. Father God, I plead for them. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and draw them, that that your son Jesus might transform their lives today. I know that there are families in this room. Listen, the pretense is there. We, We always put up our front for each other, but I know there are families in this room that are struggling. Father, I pray that you break their hearts for one another. Draw them together. Bind them together. That their family, their home might once more glorify you as you intended. Father, I don't know what all you say in times like these. I just know you speak to hearts. You you touch us at the point of our need. Sometimes what we hear isn't even what was talked about, but, but that's how your spirit takes the word of truth and applies it to our lives. So I pray that today, however it's been applied, however it's been heard, whatever that point of need is, that today this would be the moment, this would be the place where the healing might begin. Father, have your way in our lives. Teach us to listen. Even now as you
Give us ears to hear and hearts that will obey. Do what you will, Father, but we pray it in Jesus' name.